Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for an episode on 24, the television series. This is episode 15 of season 5, 9pm to 10pm, first aired on March 27th, 2006. My dog's birthday, one of my dogs is dead now, but it... uh, was one of my dogs. I'll oh, rest in peace, Ellie. That makes me sad. Don't say it like that, Ben. Did anything air on your dog's death date? Oh, I'll get to that. Don't talk to me about death dates. Oh, I just finished watching Manifest. I'm having flashbacks. Um, <laughs> Written by David Ehrman, directed by John Kazar. And uh, a very interesting episode, a very fun episode, but also an episode that makes me a little bit angry. But there's plenty to talk about in this one, and I'm excited for it. Uh, my name is Sherry Rothenberg, and I work down in Section 5 downstairs. And my name is Colin, and did you see the way his hand brushed across my shoulder as he walked by? That was wrong. Mm, I don't know if this episode is foreshadowing the Me Too movement, or it's uh, mm. or possibly mocking the Me Too movement. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know uh, what to think about this one. Just a quick uh, history lesson for everybody listening today uh, on... March 27th, 2002, uh, in Nanterre, France, a gunman opened fire at the end of a town council meeting, resulting in the death of eight councillors. 19 people are injured. Um, in the Kosovo War on this day in 1999, an American Lockheed F-117 Nighthawk is shot down by a Yugoslav army, uh, the first and only Nighthawk to be lost in combat. And uh, also on this day in 1976, the first ever section of the Washington Metro opened to the public. So um, if you're listening to us in Washington and you're catching a train today, then on that day that this episode... Just remember the day uh, Ben's dog was born. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and March 27, by the way, Mariah Carey's birthday. So um, happy birthday, Mariah Carey. And Fergie's birthday. Iconic singers. Uh, Mariah Carey. I was going to say it. Olympic mascot, but no, no, that's not Fergie. And great German goalkeeper Manuel Neuer's birthday is also on March 27th. I knew you knew that one, Colin. Um, <laughs> This is not a bad episode. This is a really good episode. It's just there's two parts to it, which I'd, I'd want to dislike them more. And in any other episode, I would. And if it didn't involve certain actors, I would hate it to death. Like if mm. Taylor Swift played Kate Mara's character... I'd be like, what the fuck is this storyline? Uh, if Taylor Swift played Audrey Reigns, I'd be like, what the fuck is this storyline? <laughs> it's just, I love Kate Mara too much to completely hate the scene. And the Jack and Audrey stuff, though I hate the fact that they've literally gone, oh, this is a story element we want to explore. They kind of execute it really well, which 
it's like because it's acted mm. really well, and yeah, okay, it goes nowhere, and it's purely created for drama's sake. But it's done in such a way that if this was like season six or season seven, this would probably be a top five scene when Jack tortures Audrey, just purely <laughs> because it's like so well acted. But um, yeah, other than that, I mean, I literally, I the in a couple of years time once we finish this recap uh we'll put up the article written by moi the top uh all 24 episodes ranked and i do a little write-up for each one and for the write-up for this episode i literally wrote the episode where jack bauer outruns fire after destroying <laughs> uh Sintox nerve gas amazing because those last like 30 seconds alone or whatever it is jack bauer outrunning fire that's all you yeah. need to stay here for this episode it's epic uh long-winded way of saying this is a, a pretty bloody good episode with a couple of bad bits yeah, the, it really is just a couple of bad bits. And the bad bits, to me, could have easily been resolved with a small thing. And I, I was glad I actually listened to the commentary. The commentary this week is actually, the way they kind of work it is they'll have somebody involved in the show, you know, a producer or John Kassar, like one of the directors or something, who will then have somebody else, maybe an actor or maybe a crew member. And this one was the production designer. So the majority of the commentary is about, oh, and then this set has this detail, and this is how heavy this table is. But <laughs> there was... What there there was an explanation for John Kassar on one of the things that bothers me the most in the torture scene, uh, where he gives a defense to which I'm like, I could kind of see that, but I think I would rather it the other way. Uh, it, problems in this would be easily resolved. That's not to say the problem of Sherry is easily resolved. Um, that that will go down as the single worst line in the history of 24, <laughs> hands down. Uh, but again, you can't fault Kate Mara too much for it because up until that one line, you're like, all right, she's not bad. She's, yeah. She serves her purpose. Uh, but uh, yeah, little things in this episode just drop it down considerably for me. And that's not to say this is going to be, you know, really far down my list. But I feel like whereas last week, you know, there were things that shouldn't have worked that just way over delivered. This is sort of an episode where it's like, oh, you promise so much and then you slightly under deliver. A lot of it is the rushing of the episode. A lot of it is those little details, but it's still all around decent. The motto of the Oz Network, overall decent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd agree with you with, with all of that. And I just think that it, it's just one of those episodes that could have gone in either direction really badly and like this i mean this also potentially could have been a top 10 episode uh you know with the stuff that we get at the mm. end and everything that comes with that and again some of the acting that like you can't fault any acting in this episode i mean yeah keeper gives everything in this episode he gives his body in this episode <laughs> not the way that most of us are thinking right now but uh and i mean kim raver's incredible jane atkinson's incredible and, and as you said like kate mara is kate mara like she's doing well she's an established actor uh, and I think she was still pretty fresh. She would have been in Nip Tuck by this stage. So uh, I don't know what her I, filmography was like around 2006, 2007. Besides Nip Tuck, I don't think she'd really done movies at that point. I don't know if you've got her up there. No, I, I, you see, up, I was but, looking because uh, <laughs> I, I was looking because, again, I think part of the mystery with her is why she's not a bigger star than she is. You mm. know, it's not to say she hasn't had success. I mean, she's had some leading roles in movies. She's had a lot of good supporting roles. She's done lots of TV, but She's one of these actresses you're like, whatever success Jennifer Lawrence has, why doesn't mm. Kate Mara have that, you know? Mm. And then when you see her sister, who's just, you know, multiple Academy Award nominee, I mean, you know, maybe Kate Mara's never had the opportunity to do that, or maybe she's just, you know, more of a movie star than she is an actress. But uh, the best she had had prior to this was Zoom. Uh, if you remember the she Tim Allen Zoom? superhero movie. She did, yes. Oh. She, she, she's doing well She then. had the... <laughs> 
and she she managed to do a movie on Zoom back in 2006. But I mean, this was the uh, the Tim Allen like superhero training academy. So there were two movies that were very uh, identical yeah. at the time: Sky High and Zoom. This was the Tim Allen one that had like uh, um, uh, Courtney Cox, Chevy Chase, and everything. So there was that. And then we're still like several. Brokeback Mountain. She had a role in it. There's just a lot of things where she had like small roles in things. Didn't know she was in Brokeback uh, Mountain. Maybe I have to see it. Yeah, now. Sm- small. It says she played one of the characters at the age of 19. So I'm guessing she's a flashback or something like that. Uh, but I mean, within a year or two after this is where I think uh, the first thing I saw was the Mark Wahlberg movie Shooter, which was actually a pretty big hit. Uh, and then there was like 127 hours and House of Cards and everything. But uh, no, slow start for her and uh, make Kate Mara a thing. She deserves it. Maybe the most uh, shocking television death in history that she's involved in, um, which... You know, is it a trend? Was that Nip Tuck, right? We don't want to spoil when she dies. <laughs> she plays a cheerleader in Nip Tuck. There's a scene with her um, having sex with another cheerleader in that uh, season. Um, so uh, maybe that's where my love of Kate Mara started as a young boy. <laughs> Being first exposed to her, no pun intended, of her making Spoils. out with another cheerleader in a cheerleader outfit. Although, I mean, is this showing signs? She did work with Kevin Spacey. Um, of course, in House of Cards, and she's <laughs> talking about people touching her. So, um, you're foreshadowing? Uh, um, oh, sorry, she's a woman. It, Kevin Spacey wouldn't have touched her. I, I don't know whether you watch the show or not, but uh, we were just starting this episode in Kate Mara. This is like we are doing 24 I've been here. Waiting. But, I've been waiting. Uh, How long for this, Colin? <laughs> been a while since uh, you I mean, talk. Well, well, Ryan Murphy obviously recast her because the last big thing she did was the TV show uh, Pose with Evan Peters. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. she uh, was in Pose for a little I've bit. I've never seen it, but yeah, that's that's really the only big role she's had in a couple of years. There was a, I, I remember, I remember messaging you because I know you're a big Kate I Mara fan. Messaging uh, you too. That was a good day. <laughs> Once upon a time, but uh, <laughs> now that we don't talk year... anymore, and our managers just set us up. Oh, good times. <laughs> Last year, she did a TV series where she played like a substitute teacher that had an affair with her student, but the student was played by the the older kid from Jurassic World. Mm. So it was bas- I was basically like challenging you. It's like, how big of a Kate Mara fan are you that you want to see her sleep with the kid from Jurassic World? <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, no, uh, I don't know if I could. <laughs> well, didn't we see him? No, we saw the younger kid in something. He was in one of the Iron Man movies. Wasn't he? Ah, we're not here to talk yeah. about those kids. They, they had their five minutes of they, fame yeah, like terrible. seven years ago. Um. I guess is this an? I think this is almost another chronological episode. I, I just yeah. Well, we don't even have the Logans. No, because we don't really have side stories. Well, I guess we. I mean, we got Bierko, but I mean that kind of ties so much into the city. Yeah. Everything here is just really CTU. Uh, I guess we got. I well, get well, the oh, Wayne. Okay, well, I guess we could do yeah. Wayne out of the way. Like basically, I mean, yeah, we, this is, we yeah. could do Wayne out of the way. Oh, that's uh, the DP Woodside story. Um, yeah, because it's the only episode all season we don't get the Logans in it. They're, they're off having a sleep, I guess, and nothing nothing to deal with. The fact that... Uh, yeah, why don't we get them in this episode? Does that mention the commentary? Because, again, the Centox nerve gas is about to go off within an hour and kill 200,000 Americans <laughs> will die. Um, why aren't they on the phone? Like, just having the hour yeah. off? Like, we need a nap. But, sir! But, sir! Um, but, sir! Like, seriously, where are they? I, I didn't have time to watch the deleted scenes. Part of the problem is you have to watch the deleted scenes while you watch the episode because it's like the, the the queue will come up on screen. But Q. during the commentary, queue did yes. Uh, <laughs> a oh, genuine Centox nerve gas. Press here. Talk here. Yes, I am familiar <laughs> with the di- device. <laughs> but uh, they did mention there was deleted scenes with uh, with Wayne in this episode. They didn't mention anything about Logan. So. Maybe he had nothing this week. Maybe they just gave them both the week off because they knew that the majority of the story would be 
you know, Pierce and Wayne, and they just didn't have time for anything else. So many James Bond references. Q, Pierce. I mean, God, I was double oh, seven. Like, it's amazing, you know, that, that we could even come up with James Bond references. <laughs> I know. And speaking of references. Of all people, we're referencing it. I know, right? Speaking of references, download our Nip Tuck uh, reunion. I think I mentioned that about four times with Kate Mara there, and I didn't mention it. Um, so, yeah, Wayne basically um, is missing... Aaron's talking to who's his agent? Agent Steve, is it? Um, good. <laughs> is the name actually Agent Steve? I think it is actually. I don't think I'm making that up. I think I wrote his name down. Uh, yeah, I've written who is Steve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this this actor it could have been his first ever acting role. He could be like a stunt man. I don't know, but uh, this is Agent Steve. Uh, does he get? It? Surely he's got a page. He's he's been on the show uh, for nine hours at this point. Uh, he, first appearance was 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. He's got a page. Oh, Agent Steve, there he is. He's looking good. Uh, Matt Hun, good for Matt Hun. Yeah, you're right. He's what nine appearances? I'm saying he's only been here for three appearances. Oh, nine hours. Well, nine hours. Yeah. Right. So he's just in the background. But uh, is is Matt Hun anybody? Has he gone on to things? Um, uh, well, they they show he did CSI, Bones, Will and Grace, Grace, Star Trek Enterprise, Frasier. West Wing, Fraser. Yeah. Oh, he likes his tossed salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> I wonder if he's in the reboot. He's coming again. <laughs> and we bring back Agent Steve in the Fraser reboot. You want a David Hyde, Hyde Pierce? We got Matt Hun. Um, oh, I like. He's Steve. gonna do the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what to do with this tossed salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> and he's not even a bad actor. There's an absolutely woeful actor in this episode, and uh, <laughs> don't know if he's got a page. But anyway, so um, Pierce is looking around. He's like, hmm, Wayne, he's missing. Hey, Agent Steve, you know shit. Where's Wayne? I love, I love, I love how he's like. Uh, yes, hello, Agent Steve. Did Wayne Palmer happen to uh, come around the facility? Why, yes, sir. He cleared checkpoint Charlie seven minutes ago. Hmm. Okay. Shall I put out an alert? He's missing. It takes only four minutes to get to the bunker from that point. No, Agent Steve. I want this to be kept quiet. So be quiet now. If Agent Steve knows he's gone through a checkpoint, I'm sure everybody else in the bunker knows he's in the checkpoint. So uh, Aaron goes out looking and we get a... Wayne Palmer, future president of the United States, everybody, holding hostage Aaron with a gun. I want, I, I don't, no, Aaron's not in next season. Well, he's in one episode, a terrible episode next season. But I, I want Aaron being his secret. No wonder Aaron's not his, like, secret service agent next season. Got held up with a gun. Palmer, David never held him up with a gun. Uh, but I love how Wayne's like, get down on your knees, don't move. Like, oh, Rambo Wayne. And then Aaron... And you don't even see his face, too. And he definitely is changing his voice intentionally there. Because, because there's a point there where all of a sudden he sort of changes. He's like, get down on your knees, don't move. I said, don't move. Oh, Wayne, I could notice that voice anywhere. <laughs> um, and then Wayne's basically like, oh, hello, uh, Aaron Pierce. You're my best friend. People are after me. And Aaron's all like, oh, no, we can't have people after you. You're Wayne Palmer. These racist <laughs> other people who are, like, trying to chase after you. Um and is this is there a gunfight and a, an explosion with this as well? Yeah, there is. So yeah. again, I didn't have a chance to the, see the deleted scenes, but that was one of the first thing that they uh, mentioned. Uh, John Kassar mentions that a lot of people asked us where did Wayne get the gun here, and there is a deleted scene where one of the guards he basically has a fight scene with him, and he I don't know whether he kills him or just disarms him, but th this gun he took from a guard that he fought off previously in the episode. Right. Okay. But there is there's a car chase here, isn't there? They sort of get in the car and they drive away, which. I mean, you know, it's it's a tiny little nitpick, but I mean, this is the presidential compound of the United States of America. 
There is a gun battle. There is car flipping around and everything. Is it really this unsecure at night that one Secret Service agent can go and get the now dead former president's brother and just drive back and have coffee in the East Room? Like, if it's this fucking easy, I'm going to Washington, D.C. in three months. I'm like, hey, Joe, how you doing? <laughs> like, come on. I mean, I guess this is the uh, the season where the Russian president just got blown up on I-5 just west of L.A. Yeah. and everybody doesn't give a shit. So... Um, there is that, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything for you to add on Wayne? I mean, DB Woodside acts no. good here. Glenn Morshaw acts good. I mean, Ooh, what's I, it's, it's setting intrigue. Cause I guess, you know, all jokes aside with it, it is kind of this plot of somebody like, Oh, how garden is clearly evil or somebody in the government is evil because really after mm-hmm. this episode, once the Centox nerve gas is quote destroyed, um, the remaining nine episodes are focusing on this conspiracy, which if you notice, yeah. Jack uses the word conspiracy about 20 times in this episode, which I think is the first real time that that is their focus, not the nerve gas. So they're clearly transitioning over into the next part of the storyline. But this is a this is a carrot they're dangling, essentially, to kind of be like, oh, government evil. It's definitely the vice president, not the president. The vice president is evil evil um yeah i i don't know did we have aaron last week on the show i can't remember yeah wasn't did yeah wasn't it last week where he like wayne called last week so that was like at the beginning oh that's right it was him yeah he called yeah so then technically we didn't even mention it last week but this is another thing they mentioned in the commentary that uh uh now that carlos bernard's gone uh, Glenn Morshower is the second most senior cast member on the show. So mm. this is two weeks running where he's the number two guy on the show. Uh, but uh, I, I recently watched one of the many um, movie slash TV shows where Glenn Morshower played a uh, Secret Service type agent, Air Force One, uh, uh, where yeah. he with literally plays. Yeah, with Xander Berkeley and Wendy Crewson and many other 24 people. Uh, I mean, he's so good at what he does. <laughs> I mean, at, at this point, they obviously had some ideas where they wanted to go with him because there was that the the Martha and uh, Pierce thing. They obviously, had, I mentioned previously, they shot that two ways. But like, if there's any point in this show where I feel like Glenn Morshower's maybe not in character, like this should be the type of character he's always in character, is this moment where he says, I think I'll go find Wayne and make sure he didn't get lost on the side <laughs> of the road. Like, if, if just do anything. Like, this is your job, Secret Service. I'm going to go see what's up. I don't know whether he's supposed to be covering or something like that, but it's like, hmm, maybe he got lost. It just it doesn't feel like him. Like, there's something off about it for me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I also love uh, Wayne with his voice change thing. Like, he's definitely slipping into his Batman, uh, Rattleless oh, Cage voice here. Would Batman? I'd be on board. Yeah, amazing. But uh, but like the, the way that his voice changes too, like I, I don't know whether he was intentionally putting on that voice so that he could scare somebody. Because again, it's like, turn around. I said, turn around. And then all of a sudden it's like, Wayne Palmer, is that you? <laughs> Why, yes. <laughs> don't listen uh, to the sound of my voice. It is not pay, Wayne Palmer. <laughs> pay attention to the, no, pay no attention to the man with the gun that we don't know how I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like this is all just setting up the rest of the, I, I I feel like this is probably the reason why we didn't get Logan this week, but it also just feels weird that it take it takes this long in the episode because he was not that far away and we know that Pierce is on foot. So like how long did he plan on walking to try to find Pierce in or to try to find Wayne in the dark? Cause I swear it's like at least 20 minutes later in the episode, which is probably 30 minutes of real time before he actually stumbles across Batman Woodside here. Uh, and he's walking in the dark, like what 40 acre 
yeah. retreat or something like that. Like you just happened to stumble across them. Uh, but I mean, there's going to be good stuff coming up with Wayne later on the season. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just killing time until we get there. I do love when you click on an actor's full profile and they're not just, you know, Matt Hunt and Steve when they've got like a bit of a bigger background on their page and it, the, the writers of 24 wiki, I don't think we ever give them credit enough. Like it's not survivor wiki, but they actually go out of their way to kind of, when they list their filmography, they'll always put in brackets like what other 24 actors appeared in the same product. Um, so, you know, they've they've written here a whole bunch of ones here, which I don't actually think they've got Air Force One on here, which is a bit of a, a faux pas. But like, for example, here they've got, um, he appeared in Under Siege with Raymond Cruz. Uh, he appeared in Pearl Harbor with John yeah. Voight and Colm Farrell. Uh, but he was, of course, in Godzilla, if you don't, uh, if you remember that, mm. with Doug Savant. Nancy Cartwright, because let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, next season, Bart Simpson appears in 24. <laughs> um, it's not just the uh, the 24 episode of uh, of The Simpsons that uh, Bart Simpson's in. Nancy Cartwright does appear in an episode of 24, which I don't think anybody ever remembers. Um, but he was in Pearl Harbor, Glenn Morshaw. I remember he was in one of the Transformers movies. I think the only one I ever saw he was in a He was in multiples. Was he? I mean, literally, yeah, and I was- plays the same character. Uh- I know uh, X-Men First Class he was in, because I, I think all the other stuff I probably had either seen it beforehand, but X-Men First Class was I'm like, oh, it's Agent Pierce playing Agent Pierce. I reckon it's just like literally the same character in everything he plays. They're just like, everybody has a different nickname for him in every universe. <laughs> there is one where, I mean, when I tell you what his character did, you're going to be like, oh, of course. Uh, he was the sheriff oh, in, um, uh, or a police or a police officer in Friday Night Lights, but... Yeah, and it was actually a very different character because he played Jesse Plemons' dad. Now there's a father-son combo. Actually, I we see, need to see that. again. That's yeah, <laughs> good casting. But like his role on the show was, it was not so much. Oh, this is just that. It, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot more complex than what you're used to getting with him. So even though he's playing the same type of role, it was actually really nice to see him in like I don't know, almost an entire season where he was getting like real dramatic acting to do. If they ever do a uh, Glenn Morshaw biopic, which let's be honest, they should. Uh, I think Jesse <laughs> Plemons. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's in life. What was the trailer before Mission Impossible the other day? It was that Leonardo DiCaprio Oscar bait movie. Oh, the Flower Moon or whatever. Yeah, and then you, Scorsese movie. Yeah, exactly. Like you kind of just you think like, oh god, ever the Oscars are getting a boner watching this uh, trailer, and then all of a sudden Jesse Plemons shows up. Like wow, you know you've got yeah. DiCaprio, you've got De Niro. Who else? And Jesse Plemons. Fuck Jesus Christ, just masturbate the Academy right now. Um, which that's like the post when we did, it's like Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, shut yeah. up and take my Oscar. I uh, then this, this shouldn't be Jesse Plemons, but he's the son of Glenn Morshower. So it's okay. It was Jesse Plemons appreciation hour. And we're done with Kate Mara talk. Um, he's like literally the most humble guy in the world. Like uh, everybody I've heard describe when he got his Oscar nomination, like there, there's multiple Friday night lights podcasts I listen to. And Class, they'll all be like, oh, others, yeah. And we always establish that. Yeah, well, if we, if we covered Friday Night Lights, I'd listen to ours. Did you enjoy the most recent episode of Australian Survivor Archives, Colin? No? Okay. I'd get Jesse Plemons on there to talk about it. And I'm Love to. But, I'm Jesse Plemons. Like, this is what I think of season one of Australian Survivor. Come on, Jesse. <laughs> there, was a, there was another actor from Friday Night Lights that described they were on set with him the day he got the Oscar nomination. They're kind of like watching around the TV. And all of a sudden his name's announced and he's like, Yeah. All right, so uh, <laughs> what do we want to do now? <laughs> and uh, the coolest thing ever is that uh, on the one of the Friday Night Lights podcasts, they had reached out, like the other actors who were on the show reached out to him and say, hey, do you want to come on to do an interview? And he's like, 
I kind of like to do a recap. Can I recap an episode of you guys? <laughs> so they bumped one of their other hosts so that he could come on just to recap an episode of the show. Well, that's why next week's episode of uh, 24 Recap, well, uh, Colin's on and Keith is on. <laughs> kind of want to do a recap, I mean, Ben. Absolutely. You could fuck off, Colin. You could have gotten Jesse Plemons for any episode of season five of Breaking Bad and you didn't know it. <laughs> oh, you know, we've got standards, Colin. Um, I mean... <laughs> Uh, so basically this episode will start with, uh, we had the, the cliffhanger with Colette, you know, oh, uh, yep. Audrey Reigns is evil. Um, and I do love the fact that once again, let's just establish the end of the last episode is what? Two minutes before this next scene. Yet somehow Jack Bauer and Colette were obviously next door. Uh, when they were being, when she revealed that Audrey was evil because they are literally walking through the door. And they've prepped everyone because straight away, Bill's like going to Chloe like, oh, get Audrey's uh, information up and get her. And so, again, it's just these are the like little details that, again, I get it. This is a weekly TV show. By the time you're watching this in real time in 2006, a, a week's gone by. You've had a busy life. You haven't remembered this. I understand it. But this is a real-time show. Little things like mm-hmm. this really do glare as a, as a mistake once you either binge it. I mean, they knew this was a binge show at this point. DVDs had been out for a few years at this yeah. point, so it's not like they didn't know. So it just is a bit like, oh, look at this, how convenient. But anyway, so... um, I, I And in classic CTU, in classic... This is very season four. So literally Colette has gone, yes, Audrey Reigns gave me the name. Uh, Jack Bauer uh, gave me the plans. Jack chokes her. What did you say? Why did you say that name? It was definitely Audrey Reigns. Okay. So he's gone, <gasps> shock. All right, thanks, Colette. Hi, CTU. It's Jack. Yep. Uh, Audrey is evil. Bye. So that's all that's happened, to which Bill goes to Chloe. Hey, Chloe, how you doing? Uh, get everything on Audrey. She's evil. And then goes out to Audrey. Audrey, we need to take you into custody. So, And the conversation between Audrey and Bill essentially goes like this. Hey, Audrey, uh, you need to come with these gentlemen. You're in custody. Am I under arrest? No, but um, so you're kind of evil. What do you mean I'm evil? Your name was given up as somebody who is evil. Well, that's not true. I've never heard of that person. Yeah, but because she's evil and we only just met her and we don't know anything else about her because like, we didn't even know who she existed an hour ago, any evil person who drops a name is automatically correct and you are definitely evil, so therefore we are going to torture you and not investigate this. That's fair mm. enough. That's how we work at CTU. That's how we get shit done. Like, literally, this is what the problem I had last year was with torturing people, is they have literally been given a name. Bill literally says to her, all I know is your name was mentioned by a terrorist. You're definitely evil. And then yeah. they go and torture her. Like, again, I get why they're doing this. This is TV. We want on paper Jack to torture Audrey because won't that get the fans on board? I understand it. I'm not dumb. Well, mostly. But, like, it's just, it's cheap. And, it, like, your literal explanation is terrorist, we barely know anything. Yeah. Who could be saying, like, right now, if I am arrested, if I am evil, which I am, right now, <laughs> all of a sudden, I am a terrorist podcast host. And I'm wanting to destroy podcasts. I'm going after Joe Rogan. I'm going to kill the guy. He's dead. If the cops arrested me right now, and it was like, you're evil. You're going to kill Joe Rogan. No, I'm not. All right. Who are you going to kill? Rob has a podcast. All right. <laughs> Clearly, go protect Rob. This guy we just met is definitely telling the truth because terrorists I, don't lie. I, I totally thought you were going to go, I'm not going to kill Joe Rogan. Who are you going to kill? Joe Biden. Go. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't kill Joe. Go. Ooh. Um. 
I mean, it's just, again, I get why they're doing it, but if you really analyze the logistics of this bullshit, within two minutes, they have captured the Secretary of Defense's daughter, a high-ranking official in DOD. This isn't what's-a-face from last, well, all eight of the people they just captured last season for no reason, and their whole excuse is, Colette's got a presidential immunity! It's like... It's not fucking, you know, kryptonite or, like, impervious to bullets or something like that. It's a piece of paper. Rip it up. It's got conditions. Investigate. Do yeah. your job. You are law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm usually one to defend the cops and law enforcement. Well, they're working this sloppily. <laughs> no, fuck them. Defund the police. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so then Jack rocks up and is all like, hey... How lucky was it that Colette was getting tortured next door? Uh, probably could have sent some more men and women to help us out here. God, lazy. Um, and then the, and the thing is kind of like contradictory a little bit because then Bill's all like, Audrey, come with me. You are being tortured. To which then he's all like, Karen, this is wrong. Um, it's like, well, stand up for yourself, man. Who's uh, wearing a pants in this future man. relationship? Uh, that's a sexist comment, Ben. That doesn't hold up. That's a 2006 comment. That's what 2006 Ben would say. I was 19 back then. I was immature. Um, but we get this great meeting uh, between Jack, Karen, uh, it's Miles, isn't it? The weedy guy. And uh, Bert. Bert's back. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Burke. But fuck it, he's Burke. <laughs> Did you ever have that show in Canada... Um, was it Trapdoor? Don't you open that trapdoor. It, no. It was like little claymation characters. And it was like about um, this like little monster and he was trapped in this house and he was like captured by like a... Anyway, the, his name was Bert. So like the, the evil monster in the attic would go like, Bert, feed me. Um, you, I swear you would have gotten that show. It had, they had American accents. No. So it was probably an American show. It was probably a Canadian show for all I know. Um, What's anyway, it called? It's, I think it's just called The Trapdoor. It's like a little claymation children's show. I know you're a few years older than me, but you still would have watched kids' shows. I don't know. You no, too- it doesn't look familiar. This looks like the like Fergie, the Olympic mascot, though. <laughs> hey, actually, there's a, there's a there's LA mascot for 23. Bring back Bert from The Trapdoor. Um, great show, don't you? Open that trapdoor. Um, Apparently, it's a British it's a British show. I swear they yeah. had American accents. As a kid, I thought everyone had an American accent. I don't know. I was dumb. <laughs> um, but I love this thing. Kind of just Jack walks in and he's like, what's Bert doing here? Shouldn't he be protecting the trapdoor? Um, and like Karen is on point here. Like I get that. Yes. As we talked about last week with Jane Atkinson, you meant to think she's sort of, oh, she's the new Chappelle. She's the, she's the new Mason. But again, you can't watch this now knowing that she turns into be like one of the biggest allies in the history of the show without seeing the good in her because she's also not wrong. In a weird way. I know I just ripped into her uh, saying like, oh, you're just torturing Audrey. But at the same time, the way she has this argument, they've gotten Jane Atkinson here to really hold her own. And she stands up to Kiefer. You talked up last week about Chloe getting put in a place by Miles. Like, this is, I'm going to argue the first time a boss has really put Jack in his place. Like, I know we kind of had it with what um, Alberta back in season one. Like, she was kind of, yeah. you know, put, a, put Jack a bit in his place. But Jack was a bit more passive back then. This is like full on, like, don't you fuck with me, Jack. And Karen stands up to him. And then kind of, then mm-hmm. Jack puts her in a place. Like, it's kind of like, it's a great scene. So basically Karen's sort of like, no, we have to investigate like this. Like we, we've got no leads. We need to do this. And Jack is like, what the fuck are you talking about? And like, Miles is here going like, Karen, don't listen to this dickhead. Like your, your job's on the line. Your, 
Stand up to him. You're a woman. <laughs> um, and then Jack. Let him of, hear you roar. Jack. Jack has like this, you know, great argument. Where it's like, do you have any idea who you're torturing? This is a Secretary of Defense's daughter. Ben Waterworth just said that. Like, if you get this wrong, like you're fucked. <laughs> um, and then so Karen's kind of almost got this devil and angel on her shoulder. Do I listen to Jack? Do I listen to Miles? What do I do? And then she basically is like, okay, look, you've got 10 minutes in a room alone with her before we send in Bert because fuck him. That guy's got a trap door. He's got shit to do. He's busy. Um, so, I mean, it's a fantastic scene. It's just so goddamn good the way they kind of uh, put this together and the acting is on point. Um, there is a, a Bierko scene sort of intersected with this one. This is where you've got two guys fighting in an alley and they're like, hey, hey, fuck yeah. you, fuck you. And the cops are like, hey, hey, break it up, break it up. And then all of a sudden, Bierko and everybody kind of basically kidnaps it. And then he, he's got a great trailer line. Well, with them, uh, we've now got a police escort that will definitely be able to make us get through the curfew. <laughs> Which, again, I get it. They're just doing this to so we don't have us, you know, 17 years yeah. later going. How do they get through the? I mean, this creates more problems. I'm sorry, like, Squad 7-2 here, they've obviously put in a call, hey, Station C, we are going to investigate two men fighting in an alley during curfew. So when they don't phone in, like, 10 minutes later and another cop car goes to investigate while there are two dead cops in the street, it's going to be investigated. But anyway. Exactly. Um, so that's kind of just, you know, dangling the plot hole of how Bjorko gets to this gas station. Jack essentially um, gas station. <laughs> well, to an Australian, this is a gas facility. Yeah, we don't call them gas stations like you do. Um, so Jack, meanwhile, goes to Chloe. He's like, "Hey, Chloe, before I talk to Audrey, are you going to tell me there's no information on Audrey that I need to know about?" <laughs> Jack, I got some bad news. Uh, what is it, Chloe? <laughs> yeah, Audrey fucked Walt Cummings. She's definitely evil um because they spent a beautiful weekend in pikesville maryland together um often renowned as the hotbed for uh hot people having sex uh so if you're listening to us in pikesville maryland uh hello uh, enjoy the sex um so jack's like oh that's definitely evil because the woman i loved had sex with a man who turned out to be evil uh so that's clearly going to set it up but then we get uh, oh, before we get the torch thing, Kate Mara shows up. Hello, Kate. Um, which I just, again, I love Kate Mara, but I would never get the idea of this character of Sherry. Sherry, like, are they just, no. I mean, another Sherry, hello. But like, is it just, I don't know, like, like the writers hit it down in the room, right? Plot ideas, plot ideas. We haven't had CTU drama in a few weeks, okay? Uh, so we had uh, character's sister was a druggie, true, right? Yep, yeah, a couple of seasons ago, we had character's... Uh, brother, uh, you know, and then an affair and everything. Yep, okay, we've had characters' sons, we've had a baby. What haven't we had? <laughs> sexual harassment. Oh, mm-hmm. sexual harassment panda? No, that's South Park. All right. <laughs> uh, what could we do? Well, we could get this future Hollywood star of a sister, um, Kate Mara, and she could have worked in another building with Slimeball Miles. How about we do a story <laughs> where Chloe is standoffish against her? That's original! But then eventually she's going to be her friend. Okay, I like it. So Kate Mara walks over and like, hey, I'm Sherry. I work in uh, Section 7G. Uh, <laughs> I love, you know, that's downstairs. And Chloe's like, I know where it is. We get another, hey, Edgar Styles died. I'm replacing him. Why isn't Kate Mara dead? Um, does Section 5 downstairs impervious to Centox nerve gas? Um, exactly. You know? Because they don't say that she, like... 
she said she worked with Miles. This would almost make sense if they just said, oh, she's one of the people who came over with DOD because yeah. they brought people to replenish personnel. And I forgot like, that uh, she wasn't. I thought she was. Like, that's why I kind of, I forget that she's not yeah, a and Homeland Security. We were already questioning last week when they were saying something like, oh, we lost 40% of our people. But it's like, but the entire building would be exposed to this. And then they acted as if it was only that main floor yeah. that was exposed. And that's 40% of your personnel. Again, also, like, just to dangle this, this is the whole argument of season one of us. The Boeing 747 goes down over the Harvey Desert and people have forgotten about it 10 minutes later. 40 <laughs> or 52 people of your staff died less than 90 minutes ago. And you're just like, hey, I'm Kate Mara. I'm just, I better replace the dead guy whose blood is still sitting at his desk. <laughs> Don't you just want her to sit down and like take a Lysol wipe everything? <laughs> like again, like I'm going to work after I record this. If I walked into work and they're like, Ben, 52 people died last night. I'm like, oh, well, I've got a World Cup podcast to edit, so I better get to it. <laughs> um, sucks to be them. Lucky I didn't come into work last night. Um, but anyway, so you're just setting up Kate Mara here. Good for her. Uh, then we've got the torture scene, which look. I'll start with the positives. It, it is so well acted. And Kim Raver says in the book that uh, this was like her favourite scene to film. I'm like, yeah, Kiefer Sutherland's choking you. Who wouldn't be into that? Yeah. Uh, Colin hates sex and probably doesn't even know the meaning of being choked in sex. But, like, seriously, Colin's turned on watching this scene. <laughs> like, Kim Raver, you're only human, my friend. Um, just want to say right now, Kim Raver has been on this show I am that close to having been choked by Keeper Sutherland myself. So <laughs> I was in a room with Keeper Sutherland. I've not been in a room with Kim Raver, but still, I feel closer to Kim Raver than I ever did right now in Keeper Sutherland. But I mean, this is just a great, great fucking scene. It's a great scene in the way it's acted because Keeper kind of plays this, you know, like you can tell Jack is doing this differently. Jack is the guy who walks into a room, kills someone, chops their head off. Jack is a guy who shoots someone into the in the leg wants to shove a towel down your throat. But when it comes to a woman he loves, like, they play this so well. Like, I don't like the fact that you have to have Jack torturing Audrey, but they do it in a way where it's believable. Like, this is how Jack would handle this. It's so Mm -hmm. well good. I should back up just one moment too and say another great moment in the Karen and Jack scene with Bill and Miles is the mention of Nina Myers, is the mention that Mm -hmm. Karen basically brings up like, ah, yeah, you've kind of been in this way before. Remember Nina Myers? And the reaction Jack has and, like, his line when he says, like, that, you know, she was deep cover for how many years. Even I couldn't have known that. Like, so good. And then Karen has that great rebuttal of, well, yeah, you didn't know then, so what's the difference now? Like, it's Mm -hmm. so good. Like, I love that bit. So Jack's torturing her, sort of questioning her, like, you know, so, hey, do you know Clot Singer? No, I don't know that. Do you know Walt Cummings? Mm, I had coffee with him a few times. Is that all you know him from? Do you know the size of his penis? What? Nothing. Um, But there's, like, an amazing, like, Kiva does his bit of acting here, which is so goddamn good. So when basically he's like, so, you only had a coffee with a couple of times. Yes. Is that all you know him from? Yes. Are you 100% sure? Yes. He kind of, like, closes his eyes and sort of looks away yeah. as if to, like, Fuck. I love that. Like, it's so fucking good the way that Kiva does that. And then he's basically like, I know you fucked him. I know you bent him over like a Thanksgiving turkey. Woo! 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 <laughs> Lie, lie reference, you're welcome. Um, I used to do that at school and I didn't even know what it meant at the time. Um, <laughs> Jim Carrey doing this scene. Wait, was it like 512? Yeah, in your bra. I object to your honor. You would order. <laughs> it reminds me of the bloopers of that scene. But um, he's basically like, yeah, look, like I know you fucked him. 
And then she's all like, yes, I was weak. And like the line that fucking Kim Raver delivers, and it's like, why did you like stop sleeping with him? It's like, because he wasn't you. And it's like, oh, oh so good. Oh, it's like, why didn't you tell me? Because I thought you'd think I'm weak. It's just plays. And, and like, this is the thing. I don't know, like quick sidebar, and I'll get you to talk about this, but quick question. Do you remember watching this live? And did you think Audrey was evil? No. Yeah. And I, and it's it has a lot to do with the way that it's introduced. Like you can always get those cliffhangers. You're like, oh, where could this go? But I even picked it apart because I've watched this episode now twice just since last week. Uh, and it's made very clear, partly by her performance, but also just by the way this whole scene is done, that it's like there's clearly nothing going on with this woman. Because any other time that we get one of these mole things, even before the character realizes somebody's onto them, there's always like that shifty look. And she's just in the do 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 like looking all happy. Yeah, like even at the end of last week when they kind of zoom in on her, like I guess that's probably the most sinister. They probably said to Kim Raver, look sinister while you talk on your computer, yeah. you might be evil. Because even in hindsight, go back and watch when Nina is accused of being a mole mm-hmm. in that season. Sarah Clark had a way about her where, again, in hindsight, at that point in the show, they didn't know that Nina was going to be evil. So they're doing this as a, you know not really a MacGuffin because they didn't know in hindsight. It's They're like, doing that with everybody on set. Yes. Just right in the back, back pocket. Carlos, Carlos Bernard playing evil yeah. and he doesn't exactly hide it and he's not even evil. But like you can watch that scene when Jack shoots Nina or kind of Jack thinks that she's evil and kind of believe that she's not, but also know that she's also really not really. Whereas Audrey Raines, Kim Raver, like she has a way of doing this. And I just want to say this now, particularly what we're about to get in this scene when Jack chokes her. Kim Raven never gets acknowledged for her acting ability. She never, I don't mm-hmm. think, has been nominated for any major award, definitely not an Emmy, let alone a Golden Globe or anything. I'm sure she's had some other sort of nominations over the years for certain things, but this is what always, and I defended her so much on our third watch coverage, and I'll defend her here. Fans criticise her. Fans don't think she's good. Fans think she's kind of like a Natalie Portman and just cries all the time, and it baffles me. She's so good. She's never really, to me, had a role where she like she's in Grey's Anatomy and no disrespect to I don't know all the disrespect to Grey's Anatomy, but no disrespect yeah. to Kim Raver. Like it's just I don't know if maybe she just doesn't target like she's not gonna be in a Martin Scorsese film, but she's got range, she's got ability. This scene shows it and it annoys me that Kim mm. Raver never gets credit for her acting ability. She's working off Kiefer fucking Sutherland here, and she's almost on equal terms with how good he is, how good she is. Ben defends Kim Raver over. Jack pins her against the wall. Jack Bauer gonna have to choke a bitch. He does for like a few seconds. Um, is we going to have a dog appearance? No? No, it's only Casper. Uh, <laughs> I'll get to see Dizzy one You're day. You're going to be strong? Okay. He brought down, I don't know, this is Coke or something. What is this, Casper? Oh, what did you bring me? Poison, Daddy. <laughs> okay. Poison. <laughs> Came from underneath Casper's mattress. All right, Casper, thank you for the, the Coke here. We're about to so, have the sequel um, to Cocaine Bear, Cocaine Colin. Um, oh, he's, oh, look at that. He's he's lifting, lifting, he's Colin. lifting the foam rolling. <laughs> Let's get physical. And now he's on a stair climber. All right. I think you need to go upstairs now, okay, before you scratch your new he heart. Just, I love every week he just wants to show off like, Daddy, look, I can exercise. Like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's how he does it. Um... But, yeah, so Jack basically pins Audrey up against the wall and is like, damn it, Audrey. He says damn it like three times. We've got three damn it Audreys here. So we're up to 11 damn it's for the season. And, again, going back to my point about Jack plays this so differently because he just kind of – clearly he's doing this – he's got to turn bad cop for a moment. And this is what Jack does, right? Jack's got to go full Jack Bauer. And then – but he even knows. He immediately knows that she's telling the truth. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know anything more. And this is something that is not very Jack Bauer because Jack – how many people have said to Jack, like, oh, I don't know anything more. Colette said it last week. But then, like, Jack within immediately, 
knows. And it's like, this is over. This is over. He walks out and it's like, no, we're not fucking doing this. this. She doesn't know anything. What the hell? And then Karen again is amazing. I feel like I'm underplaying Jane Atkinson's role in this episode. And Bill's like, yep, definitely innocent. Told you. And Karen's like, yeah, if you ask me, she broke him, not the other way around. And kind of got mm-hmm. to side a little bit with Jane Atkinson here because it is it almost yeah. like the weakest we've ever seen Jack. So I see it. Like, send in Bert. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll end it here where, um, basically just before, uh, Audrey's getting fully tortured by Bert and it's sort of Jack basically takes out a couple of CTU agents just by blinking at them, um, to which Bert tases him. He's like, stand down, Jack, I'm Bert. I'm sorry. Like, I love you, Bert, but like, seriously, Bert takes down Jack Bauer. It should be Curtis. Like I'm offended that Bert takes down Jack Bauer. Um, because he's basically like trying to choke a couple of other CTU guards because they're going to torture Audrey no matter what. Um, why doesn't, like, this is one of these scenes where I feel CT, like, we, we complained about how they went against Lynn and, like, oh, we're going to sneak behind the shadows and do what's good for the right of the people. Why do they give up so easily here when Audrey's getting tortured? <laughs> like, oh, not Homeland Security, we can't go against them. Oh, you torture Audrey, let's go back to our desk. Wipe off some Edgar guts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, um, anyway, I, I just, I hate this storyline. It, it goes nowhere. I mean, you can argue it does go somewhere because it does this, but it's just, it's literally, they've written it on paper, Jack tortures Audrey, we need to do that at one point. But what saves it, it is, is so well acted, it's believable, and I guess it gives us some great stuff, which I can overlook the cheesiness and stupidity of this storyline. Yeah, um, the show's kind of evolved past these one episode arcs, like you know the the well, the mall thing with uh, Agent Teddy, whatever his yeah. name is in season one. Um, the uh, the hotel room scene with the the guy and his mistress, I think that was also season one, uh, with the knife and all that. But when they do it now, it just sort of draws even more attention to the fact that this isn't the show anymore. And we got that last season with that uh, guy who wanted immunity, the guy on the boat. Uh, who wanted immunity and he comes back and Jack attacks his lawyer or whatever in the parking lot. When he when he got his 10-minute uh, dismissal from CTU, Jack, you are no longer an employee of CTU for 10 minutes. Like, that's one of the main reasons these don't work is because the show was kind of built on this on, like, the first season, and then they realized how much more you could do. So it gets that much more frustrating when you have an episode of Resolves like this. And this is one of those small things that I think makes this a lot better is that if you drag this out for one extra week, then I like this a lot more. It's the fact that it's done away with so quickly. They do a much better job than they have any right doing with with this type of storyline, though. Not just with the performances, but even with the way that it's written and the way it's shot. Because this is basically meant to be Audrey knows that Jack is doing this for his superiors. This isn't she's not taking this personally. So we're not left with these questions of like, you know, why is she just okay with this, uh, um, you know, 10 minutes later, I was going to say an hour later, but it's like 10 minutes later because this ends and she's already like kissing Jack by the end of this episode. But uh, uh, still, I, I do stand by like that that first shot of Audrey and then her reaction when they say, you instantly know that no, this is going to be a thing about her being innocent or whatever. But the whole timeline thing, it's not even just how quickly they got back here because one of the first things that I wondered about is whether these scenes were meant to play back to back the way they did here because we get the scene of Jack questioning or first we get Audrey being told by Bill, oh, uh, we're going to detain you, which, I mean, that's fair. We're detaining you. That's what makes sense. That's why the whole torture thing so quickly is a problem. I think one of the biggest problems with torture on 24 is just they resort to that again in one episode. If you drag this out another week and say, we haven't gotten anything out of questioning her, now we need some tougher measures, then it's a little more, more believable. 
but they say we're detaining you and then they're torturing her 10 minutes later. Uh, but then she says, does Jack know about this? And he says, he's the one who authorized it. And then in the very next scene, you immediately cut to him walking in with Colette and he's saying, so are we really sure that Audrey's behind this? Well, Colette identified her with a picture on the way over here. Now, first of all, Jack would be with her the whole way. Yeah. They walked across the street based yeah. on the amount of time it took here. So where was Jack during that time? And then they just say, okay, so just before we do anything rash, let me show you a picture of Audrey Reigns and pull up what her Instagram from 2005. Uh, is this the woman? Yes, that's definitely hey, she went woman. to South Beach, Miami. I was there the other day. <laughs> but like, like, did they have enough time to say, all right, here's a lineup and you pick out the one that is Audrey Reigns. Yeah. First, Jack would be there the whole time. But like they say Jack authorized it, but then we get him questioning it in the next scene. So I don't know if these are out of order or something. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, I love the Nina mention. And there was also, I can't even remember what it was last week, but, but last week I was already mentioned, like th th they foreshadowed this. They set up something uh, with, you know, talking about Jack's history or it was with uh, with Desmond or whatever, where he was saying like, hey, you ever been, you know, uh, undercover or anything? And they, they just started, started to remind the audience that Jack has a history and sometimes it's not so easy to know that person is evil or to get, you know, give up on that person is evil. So having the, the Nina mentioned here, it's brilliant because, now the audience is going to be questioned. And even Jack, even Jack kind of questions it here. So, yes, I understand a lot of people were for buyer. And and I, I don't remember if it's this scene or if it was after the torture where he's talking to Karen and uh she says something like, you know, you you were fooled before. Maybe you're being fooled again. And he says, Maybe I am. Like even Jack kind of acknowledges this is a possibility. Yeah. I want to be the one to question her, though. I do love though that he he mentions uh like the father, like James Heller's name. It's like her father, the Secretary of Defense, who will be very upset if his daughter is tortured. Oh, and that line that Jack actually uh, I forgot to mention that he even brings that to Audrey. Like, is your father involved? And she's like, Oh, Jack, like oh yeah. Worked. Like that's such a good line. Yeah, and because we're gonna be getting him what in two, three weeks now? It's, yeah, it's he's not, not long. He's not far away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he even says, you know, her father's going to eat you alive. And then he says, let me do it. <laughs> like, okay. You've all, you want him to eat you alive? Like Ooh. Jack goes in, this is where it gets a little confusing because Jack's trying to say, don't torture her. And then he goes and essentially tortures her. But the way this scene is, you're you're hundred percent right. And I, I, I said last week, I'm going to have a lot of defenses for this kind of expecting that maybe you'd be more negative than you were, but it seems like we're on the same page. Like their performances make this work. And if this scene was played by whoever plays Miles and, and Kate Mara, this scene doesn't work. You know, if this is Carlos Bernard and um, uh, Rika guy, Ellsworth, the, it doesn't work. The guy in the power plant later on. <laughs> yeah, if Sam from the power plant and Spencer or something, <laughs> it's not going to play the same way. But like you, you have to have the right actress for this. And the thing is, they're so real and so sincere. Like Jack's saying one thing, but you could tell by his performance that he's meaning something else. And this is where I, I have the biggest frustration with this because I feel like it should be made clear that Jack is torturing Audrey because he knows that Bill and Karen are watching him. He's putting on a show so they don't turn Bert on her, you know? Uh, that is what this scene should be about. And I was actually kind of glad because John Kassar mentioned in the commentary that it was his idea he didn't want to show you don't see karen or bill watching this interrogation the entire thing is filmed just inside the room just jack talking audrey and it's only after it's over where jack turns to the camera and says you see that she's definitely innocent you're like oh they're watching the whole time his idea being this will be more effective if you make the audience think he's really torturing audrey and then you're like oh but he was only doing it for cameras but i don't feel like that's clear in the show i feel like if you did so 
it's nice to have a surprise, but like everybody who has watched one episode of 24 knows somebody's watching those cameras. Yeah. Unless it's, you know, Jamie uh, <laughs> for a brief moment in season one. Uh, so I don't think that that was, it's a nice idea, but I don't think it was necessary. And if you had just done the scene slightly differently where Jack's in there, he's questioning her. You get all the personal stuff between them. It's like, you definitely did nothing with Walt Cummings at the, the Pikesville, Maryland hotel. Uh, and then he has like, he doesn't have to be looking at the camera, but you have him kind of like, with his back to the camera, just sort of eyes darting up and then you zoom in or you focus in on the camera. So you're like, ooh, he knows somebody's watching and then he turns it on. That makes it better. Or if you sort of end all this and after it's all over, when you have that Jack and Audrey moment that you have him, which is, I know jumping ahead, but you have her acknowledge, I know you only did that for the cameras or whatever. It's it's left too much to the audience's imagination. So it looks like Jack's just going crazy in this episode and choking for no reason, which is also a problem because we're getting way too much of it this season. We had him choking C. Thomas Howell a couple weeks ago. We have him attacking multiple agents throughout this episode. Like he already got in the altercation here with uh, with Bert or whatever. Uh, it's going to happen again before the end of the episode. Uh, and they don't go anywhere with that. So, I mean, make give us a crazy Jack so we're really questioning it. We've been saying that this whole season. Like when you have these moments of him like attacking C. Thomas Howell, make this part of the show. Like, is this man stable anymore? Yeah. Or... Just give us a reason, make it clear that Jack's not doing this to attack Audrey. Because otherwise this works perfectly. You even believe why he would choke her, you know? Uh, but that's why I actually think that Karen's reaction of like, I think she broke him. Mm. Because from her point of view, she knows that Jack is doing this. But then acknowledge it on camera. That's what gets so frustrating here. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're trying to cover my face here yeah. on your camera. <laughs> yeah, so ugly. Uh, and just despicable. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jack and his fight with Burke here. It, it, I'm just feeling like at this point, every time Jack attacks somebody for no reason, it just makes him look dumb. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It, there's things that I love Jack doing. Like when we get to the power plant later, it is so cheesy. It is so ridiculous, but it's great. And yeah. then there's just Jack attacking people for no reason where I'm just kind of rolling my eyes at this point. I agree with pretty much everything you said. The only thing I'll say, and it's weird that I disagree with you with this because it's generally something I will hundred percent agree with you. I actually don't feel it's rushed on like okay it's rushed like in terms of hey let's have this dangling in your face and blah, blah blah i don't think this should be dragged out over multiple weeks i'm glad they do it like i think this works better that they do this in like the first quarter of the episode and then they just piss off like a because on paper this storyline's stupid it's just executed so well i just don't see how you could drag this out longer that's but my opinion and, and maybe again this is just you're repeating this too many times in a season because we have the same thing with spencer we're going to torture him. And then by the end of the episode, oh, no, he's definitely not evil. He's just a jerk it's, or whatever. Yeah, like maybe if you had dragged Spencer's out and then this was a short one. True. But having multiple scenes that serve the same purpose that all are done away with within 35 minutes is a little bit much. And that's where I think, again, it's one of these ones that, yeah, like in an hour's time when Jack and Audrey are fucking in the broom closet. They don't really do that. They should have. <laughs> but um, it's, this is just forgotten about. <laughs> like it's just like, oh, cool. remember that time I tortured you a couple of hours ago because you thought you were able? Lol. Anyway, want to get some lunch? She's like, oh, <laughs> you could have done that a couple of years ago. Exactly. That's why Audrey's loving it. Like again, look it up. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure she, Jay- she has she has no issues with what Jack did her in that room. Sure Jamie's into it, does Colin. She, Come on. Doesn't she even say do what you have to do after he's choking her? <laughs> Bending over the desk. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, harder, harder. <laughs> oh, that's that's it. You know, I'm 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 very 2006 today. Inappropriate comments. I imagine if we podcast in 2006. God, things we could get away with. Um, so basically, Audrey's getting tortured by Bert. We see that in like one of the little. I, I love the the makeup department. 
We need somebody to look like they're being tortured. Add some water on them and make them look like they're sweating. And Kim, just cry a bit. <laughs> All right, I'm getting tortured. What is this stuff in this needle that is so painful? Yeah. I want to know. It, it- it's something that makes you cry. That's what my guess is. It's cry. It's, I'm going to make you cry. It's Natalie Portman juice. Get in there and yeah, cry. Exactly. <laughs> Which I just want to point out, she is, well, not in Australia. She's in New Zealand right now for the Women's World Cup. Uh, I'm hoping that she does venture over to this part of the world, potentially for the final. So uh, I Did may she... or may not be wanting to stalk her very soon. So uh, if you're listening, Was Natalie, a... I'll gladly go to jail to stalk you. Was it a soccer team she bought? Yeah, she owns uh, Angel FC. Uh, Cohen's, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So there's a documentary on Disney Plus about her, but um, she's I mean, she's a massive US women's soccer team uh, advocate mm-hmm. and fan. And she was in New Zealand to meet with like Jacinda Ardern. And do you do you remember during off the podium? There's a there's a plug for it. Um, back during Tokyo Olympics, that that New Zealand rugby player who got interviewed and she was very like chill and like, oh, you know, BBC. Oh, you know what that stands for? Better be careful. Like she was a real personality. Oh. You'd remember it if you saw the clip. Uh, her name's Ruby Tui. We're trying to get her on the show, and we're, we're quite close. Um, but she met with, like, Natalie Portman and Jacinda Ardern for some summit or some, like, you know, meeting or something like that in Auckland. So if we get Ruby Tui and off the podium, say, hey, Ruby, you won an Olympic gold medal. Natalie Portman, tell us more. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, she is... Could you tell her that you don't like sand? It's course, we're up near <laughs> and it gets everywhere, and then just stroke her back? That's if I have interviewed Jacinda Ardern. So was the summit about sand? Uh, about <laughs> sand of New Zealand. Uh, these are the sands of our hourglass days of our lives. Um, so How do I, you die of a broken heart, yeah. Natalie? <laughs> <laughs> What's that song about broken heart? Um, well, the one song about broken heart. <laughs> Never been written before. That was this doesn't I, sound familiar. <laughs> when I used to work at Sanity and someone would come up to the counter, hi, do you have that song on the radio? It's about love. Uh, <laughs> I'd literally be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. got it right here for you, John. That's the one. What's that song? There's a part in there where they go, baby, baby. Um, <laughs> can't pinpoint it. <laughs> that song, it's got a beat. Um, it kind of goes like, one, two, three, four. <laughs> one, two, three. Ah, oh, that I heard, one. I heard somebody say, ooh, ah, baby. <laughs> ooh, ah, uh, just a little bit. Ooh, ah, uh, a little bit more. <laughs> um, so Jack, I, I love the fact that Jack is literally tasered and handcuffed. Next minute, he's sitting in a room and Bill's bringing him in an ice pack. This is a guy who, like, five hours ago was wanted for, like, treason. And now they're just like, oh, sorry about that, Jack. Tortured again. I know how you take your coffee. Um, you want a cup of soup, too? You're looking a little dehydrated. I've been a keto in about five seasons. Yeah. How are you feeling? It's in the fridge for you. They're probably off by now. but uh, you I'll know. send Sherry. <laughs> oh, Sherry, she's dead. No, the other Sherry. All oh, right. <laughs> But then basically, the one who doesn't like to be touched. <laughs> that other Sherry, oh, fill her up. <laughs> That's what they call it, a fill her up Sherry. Put your back into it, keeper. <laughs> oh, I miss other Sherry. What is it about great this character of Sherry in 24? Kate Mara, Penny Johnson, Gerald. That's right there. That's I, 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 don't, I don't know if. Gary Rosenberg or whatever in the same category. I don't care. Like, the actors who play them, just amazing. Come on. Next thing you're going to be telling me that Connie Britton plays a Sherry secretly. <laughs> There's a pub trivia. I'm going to have to look. What season uh, featured both Connie Britton and Kate Mara? Uh, <laughs> whoa. There's a season right there. Um, so anyway, yeah, Jack's basically like, hey, you shouldn't be torturing her. I'm going to go question Colette. She's got immunity. All right, I've got the immunity idol nullifier. I can go talk to her. Okay, 
you've got a few. But I love like Jack's explanation where it's kind of like, I'm going to question her. And if I get the truth out of her, it's going to nullify her agreement. So therefore, you don't lose anything. I'm just going to ask her some questions. You know me, Karen. I'm a very convincing guy. I don't do anything wrong. Jack walks into her and starts choking Kate Mara. Uh, damn it! Hey, Mara. <laughs> uh, um, we've got a scene here where Miles and Sherry basically, because we, they, we, I should have said they shared like a sinister look when she sat at the desk. Again, what are they trying to achieve here? Because I don't get. Is she just a girl who cried wolf, or did Miles yeah. really touch her? Because no, because Miles is all sinister and is all like you kind of like you're on board here with Chloe when Chloe's standing to her defense because. Basically, she tells his story of like, yeah, a few years ago when we were in San Francisco, there was a bit of an incident. It's like, dude, you're in San Francisco. There's always an incident. Lol. Um, <laughs> but they're just basically like, yeah, so, you know, he got away with it because those things are really hard to prove. Then he's all like, damn it, Sherry. Like, I know you, your sloppy work. You were meant to do it this way, not that way. And Chloe's all like, no, but I told her to do that way. That's sloppy work, O'Brien. I know how you work. Didn't you just meet her a week ago and not know who she was? Um <laughs> So it's kind of this weird storyline over Chloe's clearly believing her because this is meant to be an empowering scene of like sexual harassment in the workplace. It's wrong. Don't do it. Don't touch people. Like even in 2006, we knew it. It just people got away with it because they were idiots. Um, And then basically Chloe's defending her, but then we're going to get this weird scene soon. Maybe I'll just cap this cherry stuff now because this really isn't relevant to the order of it. So we're going to get this scene where Cherry basically isolates something and does something to help them get the freaking gas canisters. And then Bill touches her on the shoulder and is like, good job, Sherry. And Chloe's like, yeah, good job, Sherry. And as she said, the words that I hear a lot, he shouldn't have done that. What? Touched me like that. I've heard that too many times in my life. And then Chloe's kind of got this look of, this woman's crazy. Like, the thing that, like, just makes it even more confusing is because you've got, like, okay, so she was lying about the Miles thing? Are we meant to believe Miles? And then Chloe's just kind of got this, oh, cuckoo, nana woman. I don't get it. And I, this goes nowhere. I don't. Do you understand I mean, this? No, it's so frustrating because, I mean, A, it's really badly written. And I'm going to say really poorly acted, too, with the he shouldn't have done that. It, it's it's very, look at their faces. They're all the yeah. same. It's that 424. Uh, it's a terrible line that, that nobody can deliver, but it's somehow still delivered even worse than you could imagine. Uh, but it it's not just it doesn't go anywhere it's just unnecessary like we we've had douche miles for two weeks now and we know that the purpose of him is supposed to be you're you're suspicious of this guy what's he gonna do but then by the end of this episode you've basically used this to try and tell the audience maybe miles isn't so bad because he was falsely accused of sexual harassment but then everything else that we're gonna get with sherry throughout the course of the series like i wonder if it has more to do with they needed somebody for Chloe to play off of. And they wanted it to be like this dynamic of this girl. I can't trust this girl. Like, wh- why am I relying on her? Because she's clearly crazy. But from what I remember, we, it doesn't go any further than this other than this one line. It's not like she's this completely off the wall, you know, Everyone's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, it's, a, it's one line. And I think maybe they just wanted it to be, let's do away with this miles thing. Let's just have it be clearly he was falsely accused of sexual harassment and then let's make this character kind of unpredictable but then they don't go any just just go full crazy with her you know yeah make it where chloe has to rely on this crazy woman for the rest of the season but like chloe's the last person who needs to be looking at somebody in that way like what <laughs> did, did, did you hear what it just think i heard 
Chloe wouldn't even care. They're like, she's still in this season for a little bit, and she like, I don't because Miles generally goes full evil. I think you kind of implied that she might be sort of not evil, but like as in technically Miles is doing the correct thing when we get to him being quote evil. Um, but mm-hmm. like. I'm pretty sure like it's brought up. I think like Chloe kind of like blackmails her with it and it's like, oh, like it's it's used, but it's, yeah, she's not walking around every week going like, she touched me, you touched me, they're all touching me. Yeah. Ah! Like it's just, it's just odd. And like, I guess maybe we're looking at this in a 2023 lens when let, like, let's be serious in the 17 years of this episode aired, like this sort of stuff is like legitimately like in the front and center of public conscious. And we've talked about in previous mm-hmm. episodes, like don't touch it, that's sexual harassment. And fair enough, like, you know, the wild days of the 2000s when men were touching women and women were touching men. Disgusting. <laughs> the wild, wild west of the office politics. But, like, it just, it, it's icky and weird. And, like, if you're going to go full sexual harassment storyline, don't paint her as, like, a girl who cried wolf. That's what diminishes her. Like, it's sort of, have this as, like, a storyline of, like, power, woman empowerment. Like, I'm going to stand up for my sister. who we, we, we get sexually harassed all the time. So, like, yeah, I'm going to stand up for you. Like, don't have this line of questioning whether she's telling the truth or not because... Miles is not a likable character. I don't want to be going, well, poor Miles. No wonder he's a dick. He was falsely accused of sexual mm-hmm. harassment. No, like it's just, it's odd. You don't or, take this line out of it. Yeah, you don't even have to have the Sherry and Miles interactions too. I feel like this, it, for what if this was the point they're going with, they just wanted you to really be looking at Sherry like, whoa, she's she's bizarre. And even have Chloe be like, I can't believe this is a woman I have to work with now for the rest of the season. Just have her mention the thing about Miles. Don't have Miles come up and say, oh, that whole sexual harassment thing, you were definitely in the wrong. Just have it be where she mentions it to Chloe, and then Chloe's like, well, I'm going to give Miles a cold shoulder. And then at the end, you're like, oh, that Bill guy, he definitely sexually harassed me. And then Chloe's just like, oh, okay, all right, I think I made a mistake here. You don't have to bring the Miles stuff in there. It just makes it even more awkward. There was a storyline in Third Watch when um, Taylor's, uh, Amy Carson's character, Taylor, sort of like at the firehouse. Touched Kim Rageber. Exactly. It was a great scene. Um, But like they kind of had this like firefighter got like transferred to the house and then kind of you sort of saw this awkwardness between it. And then you heard there was like this storyline that like, you know, he'd like tried to rape her or something like that. And then basically like, it's not like at the end of the episode that then they get freaking Amy Carson's character to go like, oh, but you all tried to rape me. Oh, no, like disparage her. Like just if you're going to go full sexual harassment, go full sexual harassment and like have this as an empowerment. Yeah, anyway, I'm going on a rant. Or go full crazy. They don't go full anything. Exactly. It's weird. It's kind of like it's this middle ground of questioning like and it's a rarity where I feel 25 kind of drop the ball with that sort of stuff. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, Jack's questioning. Uh, oh, I should mention we get a the Bierko shows up. Oh, we've got Henderson as well. Uh Who's Henderson on the phone to here? Um, uh, to the mercenaries uh, trying to capture Wayne. That's right. Mm. We didn't include that with the Wayne thing. I'm just skipping through the episode here. Uh, and I'm guessing this is once they've gotten Peter Weller back um, to yeah. kind of come back. But um, obviously had already prepared script for Bierko, so they're like, oh, we got to throw him on the phone somewhere. Yeah. Um, Bierko shows up to the power plant. <laughs> we meet We meet Sam. I'm not thinking. Oh, Sam's great. Sam's, I like Sam. Sam's getting held hostage. Sam's all like, like, he's like, this actor plays him like very well. It's kind of like scared. Yeah. He's like, who are you guys? It's like, gun. Take me to the room. Uh, okay. And then sort of goes into this room. And like, um, Julian Sands is brilliant in this bit. It's sort of like, mm-hmm. like, he's that sort of real calm, sinister villain, which I actually really get Bond villain. To. Yeah. It's kind of like, where do you do your um, your gas things to move gas dials? <laughs> Over there. Hmm. Okay, then. So if I was to uh, have some toxic gas and mix it in there, we'd need to turn that down to mix with it, wouldn't we? Uh, I'm not saying anything. You don't seem to be taking me seriously. 
Um, you don't want your friends to die. Mm, you've got a good point. I don't want my friends. I love my friends. Okay. So I want you to turn down those dials. And you got this guy, the worst actor in 24 history, stands up. Sam, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> to which he gets shot, deserves it. Get better acting. Um, so basically it's going to come down to he needs to like change the dials to... Uh, essentially, like, remove the toxic gas, or not the toxic gas, the natural gas, so that he can put the toxic gas out there into the world. Uh, so poor guys who can't act don't get shot. Uh, Jack questions Colette, breaks Colette pretty quickly, and sort of like, damn it, Colette, you're telling me the, the falsities, aren't you? Who told you to do this? Who told you to do that? And basically Colette admits that, um, like, he pulls a gun on her, and basically, Colette admits that, yeah, I was told to give you a name in case, you know, as a backup plan, essentially, because I knew it would break you. Um, they're going to go target a gas facility, and uh, you were right. Audrey's innocent. So Jack's all like, release Audrey. Bert, stop torturing her. Um, Colette's immunity deal is gone, and everybody's happy. And Jack and Audrey kiss, which is a nice scene, which, again... <laughs> This is literally all it took to avoid Audrey getting tortured was to question Colette more. I'm going to even say a bit sloppy on Jack's behalf. Let's be honest. I'm putting a bit of a blame on Jack here. This is unlike Jack, that Jack automatically caves into a terrorist giving a name. Oh, shit. Said Audrey. Well, I don't believe she's innocent. I don't believe she's evil, but I better torture her. Like, Jack, is this all it fucking took to get Colette, pull a gun on her and make her piss her pants a little bit? Kind of on (laughs) you, my friend. Um... Maybe I'll cap it there because I think the last sort of like sequence will uh, keep separate. Action but stuff. yeah, I mean, not really, not a whole lot to talk about there. But um, <laughs> anything? To no, add? I mean, yeah, I, I think that uh, it's great. Again, like Karen's definitely the character that you're supposed to be questioning because you love these characters. But she brings up very solid points throughout this episode, like the whole thing about she broke you, you didn't break her. Uh, and then when Jack's going on and on about the immunity agreement, oh, it's like, oh, well, Colette's definitely lied about this. It says, okay, Jack, need I remind you that you're the one who gave her that immunity agreement? Like, this is your fault. And even he's like, yes, I know that. <laughs> she's she's very good at uh, arguing the other point of view. Um, Bierko's break-in here is fantastic. Like, we, we've definitely kind of been on the fence throughout this ser- series or this season about uh, Julian Sands, maybe a little bit over-the-top portrayal, which really doesn't have as much to do with him as just the way they kind of write this character. Uh, but... This is where it pays off because he is like full Bond villain. Yeah. And the way that he just shoots people just out of nowhere. It's like, oh, you don't want another person to die, do you? Oops. <laughs> uh, whoop, parachutes for the both of us. Not anymore. <laughs> hey, going to die another day, quotes. Yay. <laughs> but I mean, he's so good in this scene where he breaks in and even just the way he goes, now, what's your name, Sam? Okay, Sam. Uh, so we need this to be done and we need it to be done quick. It might take me 30 minutes. You have 15. Yeah. <laughs> but what's even better is that by the end of this, when you actually kind of look at the timestamps, it's like 15 minutes later where they're like, they, the PSI is at 56%. And it's another 10 minutes after that before he's like, I'm getting impatient, Sam. Come on. You don't want, he keeps saying, you don't want your friends to die, do you? <laughs> I love Julian Sands. I think this is the, I probably didn't even have that much appreciation for him when this uh, season originally aired, but like, this is what he needs to be doing, like more of this. And <laughs> it, it is almost for a... you to appreciate him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Can't wait but, for but Madonna to a... die. You go, oh, fuck, I love that woman. <laughs> so no, I take that back. Don't die, Madonna. I don't. Don't. Think that is. don't. <laughs> ben, you have a history with these things. Who would you rather die first, Madonna or Natalie Portman? Oh, Madonna. Oh. At least that, 
There's a chance that Natalie Portman could come back and do something good you with like Star Wars. Some Madonna though. songs, you own her greatest hits on LP. No, I don't. I own. I own whatever one Jamie was a Material oh, Girl or Protecting. something. Colin's yeah. very uh, one, you know snappy the about the Madonna albums he owns. The one, the one that Ben bought as a joke birthday present. I bought it for you. I forgot. <laughs> it was you. Yeah, Jamie. Jamie sent you a picture or something like that. And I forgot. Uh, I paid she said, for that. Oh, I'm not going to buy this. It's like I'm not going to buy this for Colin. But then you're like, buy it. I'll pay you. <laughs> Where's my birthday present, Colin? You never gotten me one. I. I had, I was in the middle of making, unfortunately our birthday is very close together. That wasn't the best week, but I was in the process of making you a uh, GSWTC custom pillow, uh, body pillow, which if anybody listens to our show, you might know what GSWTC stands for. Is it actually of Tom Cruise? Well, it was just the, I I couldn't actually get his face on there, but if I had gotten his face, that would have really made it, but no, it didn't end up happening. Feathers on my bed every night. <laughs> Plan the designs. I was I was uploading it, and all of a sudden, ah, don't think I'm gonna be able to get this to Ben. <laughs> Maybe a future oh, I expect birthday. Expect it now. I want a really good. I want a humpable pillow for my it next birthday. You got less than a year. Could have come in really. It. Yeah, could have come really handy that year. <laughs> I'm lonely but, now. Uh, I live by myself. Oh, I'm excited. There's nobody to be judged. <laughs> I'll take it with me to see Mission Impossible. I'll sit it on the seat next to you. Come on, here, Tommy. Watch your movie. <laughs> You'd pay for that second seat just yet. Oppenheimer, he wants to go see both. See it again, Tom. You love your movies. <laughs> uh, anyways, what was I talking about? Bierko, yeah. So Bierko, I just I love this over-the-top Bond villain thing here. It really works. And it's the calmness he has, too, this fantastic. And yeah, Sam's amazing. But that other guy, wow. <laughs> just shoot him. Have a, Shut up. <laughs> um, even the music when Bierko's break-in happens, like oh. that's... Sean Callery's got I'll it's one of the, the music, few times. Yeah. yeah, like season one had it was the time period, obviously, like very born style music. You know, you got a little bit of electronic beat in there and everything. And, and every once in a while he brings that back, but I kind of love the 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 music that it, it's very season one like for Bierko's break in. Yeah. Um the uh yeah, I mean the, the rest of Burke's interrogation is at this point, you know that everything's gonna be resolved. And this is something else I feel like could have been done a little bit better. This rush of Jack's got to talk to Colette and then he's got to get the, the rescinding order. Oh, that needs to come from the president. I'm like, really? I don't think the last one came with the president. It was this, the scene where Logan was going to be in the episode. They call him up. Can we get a rescinding order from this? You just had, I'm trying to nap here. I, I've had no sleep all day. You just had me sign the immunity deal and now you're rescinding it. Uh, but I mean, I don't feel like that, that any of these need to go to the president. Like, could they not just say, hey, we voided your agreement. Let's rescind it later. Yeah. Uh, they already know it's yeah. not legally valid. But like Jack jumps the gun by going in there again and attacking her. But I, I do love Colette uh, or the, the actress, what is it, Stana, Katchik or whatever. The, the way that she just, she looks so arrogant and full of herself when Jack comes in the cell. It's like, oh, hello, Mr. Bauer. And the way she just so quickly changes where it's like, somebody showed you a picture of her and said to drop Audrey Rain's name. If you ever got into trouble, right? She's like, uh oh um maybe <laughs> it's, it's it's a great moment um and is it in this scene where he basically says to her like he's like now i'm and he pauses he's like upset <laughs> he jacks playing it like so cool with Shatner. i'm upset <laughs> i'm very christopher walken yeah. now i'm upset <laughs> uh and like this rescinding order they, they it comes like 10 minutes later oh jack we got the rescinding order 
Like they had to career it over. Like they don't have fax or email. You got to do it quickly. And she was next door before. Like, I mean, I know. <laughs> I don't understand how the logistics work of this. Uh, they they have to hand deliver the immunity agreements and rescinding orders. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the whole reunion with Audrey is great. And, and I, I missed it earlier, but that line about he wasn't you like, that's normally the type of line that would make me want to gag and vomit. But it's done so well because mm. uh, it's not cheesy the way it's done. You know, it, it's actually kind of heartbreaking. Um, how much do we have uh, uh, left to cover here? We're not doing the the Jack rating, the the gas no, station. I'm going to do that now just because it's going to be. Separate. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're caught up here. Basically, I mean, it's, I just want to do this separately because I'm just saying uh, you could not the entire. This isn't like a couple weeks ago. We had the entire maybe like last eight minutes of it as a as a top five. It's sort of we'll get to a section here. But basically, Jack. Again, isn't it great that this uh, nerve gas facility or this facility is just down the road in a helicopter, which this is, you mentioned the music, fucking Sean Callery's theme here. And mm. I'm going to get it wrong, but it's, it's almost like a dun, 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 dun. Like, it's so cool. Like, when he's in the helicopter, you get these action shots. These are the, these are the type of oh. scenes that, as an actor, right, like, if you're, you know, you do these movies, you do an action scene. The, when you're watching this on TV, you've got cheers. Like, fuck, I look cool. Yeah. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. Look at me in that. This Even is... Kiefer, who's a very chilled, reserved guy when he's not on drugs. Like, he's probably <laughs> sitting there going, fucking hell. I'm going to have some extra coke tonight for that. <laughs> I, we, we, we've seen some great helicopter action in the show. Usually Kiefer shooting at Yelling one. them. But yeah. is, is this the first time we've actually seen people rappelling from a helicopter? Uh, no, we like, had They could have taken the extra five seconds to set it down. But like, no, we're rappelling. No, nah, season four. <laughs> season, um, Four when they raided the compound to get Audrey and Heller and season oh, yeah. two at the um the Coliseum they they repelled down so they've had a few um but I think this might be Jack's first it's one. so cool like where Jack and repels. Curtis too yeah and fucking yeah Curtis I always forget Curtis is involved in this and kind of again you yeah. kind of forget Curtis is here but Curtis is cool as well he's chilling in. even you know freaking uh, Roger Cross is going that is me on a helicopter <laughs> I look very cool um <laughs> puts on his sunglasses freaking David Cruz style yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, it's, just, it's just awesome. Like I just, I want to go to Winnipeg and recreate. Let's hire a helicopter. Fucking hire a drone next to us. Put Sean Cass music. Just us flying over Winnipeg. Dun, dun, dun it. Uh, it's just awesome. Uh, if if Jack if Key was single, this would be his Tinder profile picture. Maybe I'll change my Tinder profile picture. A picture of Jack Bauer in a helicopter with his sunglasses. Like yeah, fucking. <laughs> cool. I'd, I just I'd swipe right. I mean I'm swiping. He wears like, his sunglasses at night. Oh, what a song. Corey Hart? Is it Kerry Hart or Corey yeah. Hart? Corey, Corey Hart. Hart. Canadian. Song. It makes no sense, that song, but it's fucking cool. The 80s music doesn't need to make Anyway, uh, download our Nip Tuck. cocaine. Download our Nip Tuck reunion to listen to uh, Robert Lasado, the 80s loving uh, Escobar. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. He yelled at me in that reunion, by the way. Very scary. Can I just point out, when you have somebody like Robert Lasado who plays very evil people who are very scary people and everything he's been in. And he kind of corrects you on the pronunciation of something. You, you, you cower in your seat. Like this guy's going to kill me. He looks like an intimidating guy. He's very intimidating guy. So I uh, just want to thank you, Robert, for putting me in my place. I just, I'm going to try better now <laughs> on my pronunciations. Uh, anyway, land in the, the facility. They've got all the canisters are basically in a room. So there's 17 canisters. I think there's a bit of a mistake here with these canisters because um, is, uh, we'll get to the trivia shortly. But I, I believe they've got 17 canisters here and later one has been uh, kept. Yeah, so there there are 20 to begin with. Three were set off in the shopping mall, the hospital and CTU building. So there are 17 left. But later on, 
when one just have happened, somehow it survived. Um, somehow. This is where later on it does kind of annoy me when Bjorko comes back as kind of this MacGuffin. It's in the, it's, I'm pretty sure it's in the episode I've been. It's like, this is a bullshit storyline. This is, you went nowhere with this. Anyway, all in here, they're going to release it into that and 200,000 Americans will die, which I'm calling bullshit. I'm thinking more people are dying here. More than 200,000 people in a city of like 10 million people have natural gas. And this is the only, like, okay, you could argue this is only the pocket of the community. This is where it facilitates. Surely they're all connected somehow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They they would go towards a certain area, so I think the 200,000 would make sense. But the thing that bothers me is that this is gas. That If you have natural gas in your house that you're inhaling, something's wrong. <laughs> True, so that's I a don't good understand. Point. Yeah, it, the natural gas you have, if, let's say you turn on the burners of your stove, maybe it's going to infect you. But like, if they just simply called up and said, nobody use natural gas for the next hour, yeah, that's a, this problem solved. Yeah, like, like that's actually a very good point. I did think about it, like, you yeah. know, poor old Doris is like, oh, it's nine o'clock, got to cook my tea. Um, <laughs> and then also like, have Bioko and the terrorists done their studying? So they've gone like, all right, so this is uh, Jenkins Gas Company. They've only got 10,000 homes. All right, this is Smith's Gas Company, 100,000 homes. Better. Oh, the Flanagan Gas Company, 200,000 <laughs> homes. That's the facility we're invading. Um, uh, sir, the Johnson Gas Facility has a million. Yeah, but that's on Sunset Boulevard. We're not going to make it by nine. Yeah, uh, that's you too know, far of a drive. Tra- traffic's too bad at that point. <laughs> this one will do. 200,000, that's a solid oh, number. From a ter- Lakers from- game's just letting out. It's <laughs> From a terrorist Brutal company who only moves. three hours ago didn't want to attack American lives, can I just point I, out? <laughs> I love that you call it a terrorist company, too. <laughs> Inc- terrorist Incorporated. Terrorist Incorporated. This is Jenny. Oh, the guest <laughs> line. They're Curtis Spectre. Henderson, COO. The Spirko CFO. Right? You know, the, the, the T inspector. They've got, we talked about this in 007. They've got departments. Yeah. Extortion. Oh, no, you're after the terrorism division. Oh, <laughs> commonly confused. Oh, you're, you're okay, Osama. I'll transfer you through. Uh, no, no, it's no right. matter you don't what have to give you a code. We know who you are. <laughs> well, well, no matter what department it is, somebody there touched Sherry. That's all we know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyway. <laughs> They show up. Bioko's about to release the gas. Uh, Jack shows up. Sil- I love how he says silences off. Why? Because he wants to make a noise? Um, there's a bit of a shootout. Bioko- I know that's weird. Yeah, like, yeah, this is a man's job. And we don't want any of these. Scare him. We don't want any of these silence bullshit. Um, so Bioko runs away. Uh, one thing I'll say for Julian Sands, which he's had this great Bond villain scene. He's very Weasley and weird the way he runs and looks sinister. The way he's like pressing these things. He's kind of like overacting. Oh. Is he a theatre actor? Like, I'm feeling this is very Timothy Dalton. I'm going to press the button. Raw. <laughs> for, for me, I've got I've got another complaint about it. It's not just his acting, but another complaint later on where I'm like, that just looks weird. So he's weirdly present, but he does a runner. And then we kind of got this whole thing where basically, like, it's so bullshit, but it's going to lead into an amazing scene. Jack's like, damn it, he's releasing the gas. It's going to be done in, like, less. And then is it Chloe or Karen's like, Jack, if you don't stop it within 60 seconds, 200,000 people will die because it will get into people's gas homes. Again, Jack should just be like, well, don't turn on the gas. You're right, Jack. Just let it go. We'll we'll inform. (laughs) It's a curfew. (laughs) Um, They even have a line of like, oh, well, it's a cold night. Everyone's got their heaters on. Um, (laughs) I guess it's LA. No one's got a heater in LA. So Jack's like, it's all right. I got some C4. (laughs) I saw Chris Tucker in the background. That's C4. (laughs) I've been looking all over for this shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Jack just happens to find one gas canister, puts one C4, sets it to 30 seconds, and then we're going to get maybe one of the most epic scenes we've had in 24 history 
where boom, 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 things start going up. Curtis is going, everyone get out of the way. Explosions will kill you. And Jack's like fucking full on Tom Cruise in it, running down the line. Now, I really hope when you talk that you've got some behind the scenes stuff here, because I want to know, did they really film Kiefer Sutherland running away from explosions? It's just this amazing scene of Jack sprinting and you've got things exploding behind him. Like, this is awesome. Jack Bauer outrunning a gas facility blowing up, which let's be honest, let's call bullshit. He's dead. But who cares? Oh, and everybody's dead. And he's got his man bag with him as well. <laughs> he's protecting Jack's man bag. It's amazing. He runs out of this facility. He sees Bjorko. He could survive it. No, Jack's got to protect the country. He goes to get Bjorko. He gets into a bit of a handbag. It's a bit of a fist of cuffs here. It's not the best fight. But then all of a sudden he gets in the cop car. There's an explosion. Shit falls on the car. Deet, 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 deet. And actually, like, it's a weird, one of the weirdest, I guess, cliffhangers we've ever had was sort of it's like, it's jarring because you've got explosions, you've got noise, and it goes silent really quickly. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, love, love, love this. I'm putting this, it won't make the top five, but it's a, it's at least a mention. Jack Bauer outruns an explosion. I mean, it's so <laughs> fucking good. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of hammy Julian Sands acting in this, but outside of that, uh, fucking epic. Love This saves this episode from anything that came before it. So I'm still trying to figure out the better way of doing this because when he says you have 15 minutes for the PSI to drop... I feel like a lot of the tension of this is robbed and not, not a lot in a way that's like, Oh, this is intense, but like you could have made this even more tense if you weren't constantly reminding the audience, Oh, they're only at, you know, 56, they're at 54 now. Uh, and even on the other side, you know, maybe you could have done this where it's still not dropping and it's like, well, we got to blow it anyways. Like, let's just blow it. But it's like, they keep mentioning, Oh, we're at 54 PSI and we know it's well past 15 minutes. He's given them. Now you got the raid happening. Like, there's just something about this where I feel like it could have been even better if you kind of used this whole countdown on both sides. We've got this many minutes. They're coming. We're only at 54 PSI. What if we release it now? And then the audience is wondering, is Jack going to do this because they're releasing it early? Maybe if CTU had known, uh, they're obviously waiting to get down to you know 50 PSI or whatever. Uh, so they're, if they're waiting for that, we have approximately 10 minutes. And then the tension is, well, Julian Sands says they're coming now. So just release it. And maybe we'll kill 150,000 to 200,000. Like I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something about this where it's not as tense as I feel like they intended it to be. Mm. Uh, and maybe there is an easy solution or maybe this is the best they could get. I don't know, but uh, it's just a little bit weird. Um, yeah. The, the, the action shot is amazing. Like the repelling in is fantastic. The music there is great. I don't know why Jack says take off the silencers. Uh, it feels like that defeats your purpose. Unless there's some technical reason, maybe some firearm expert out there can tell us why. Uh, there's a technical reason why he would need it. Uh, but then the moment where he's outrunning the explosion, like it should be so cheesy. This should be like painful and you're laughing. And even the music choice, this is one of the few times in any season where the actual 24th theme music plays. And it's not played like a little subtle hint. It's, it's basically Jack running to da 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 da. Like that should not work. Yeah, exactly. But yet it really, really works here. And um, I, the most I got of it is that there's a, they basically were debating whether we do this CGI or we do it an explosion. Explosion is not nearly as big as it should be, but they did shoot this for real. I don't know if it was actually Kiefer Sutherland there. They couldn't find a location for this. And apparently they were struggling to even find, like, I don't know if this is like a top secret thing, but they couldn't find even pictures of what real, you know, gas companies 
grounds would look like. They want to, let's let a reference point, maybe we'll build a set around, but they got nothing. So in the end, they're basically like, uh, let's just invent something. And this is literally filmed right behind their studio. This is the, hmm. like the parking lot behind their studio. Uh, not even like we're going to do a back lot. They're like, uh, let's just go over there to film this. So it was very last minute. They couldn't kind of figure out where they're going to film this or how they're going to film it. And I think it turns out incredible. Hmm. Um, but forget about the fact the explosion should be bigger and that half of Los Angeles should at least be feeling this. The Jack Bierko fight to me is the biggest problem because their little scuffle here, they both look so bad. They, 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 they basically look like, I don't know, like, like, they're 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 struggling to pass gas. <laughs> That's kind of what it looks like, and, and they're they're wrestling with each other. But there's this, it, their faces just look like re- they both look hammy here. They're both like like really bad facial acting because they they want it to be like instead of punching each other, we're just you know grappling with each other. And of course, you want that cliffhanger where they throw them in the car, and that really works. Like I have the same feeling. It, it's it's really weird for twenty four. This isn't the type of cliffhanger you usually have, but it's good. But it's just. The fight scene before that just looks kind of silly to me. Uh, but I like the cliffhanger of like, we literally don't know what's going to happen. Now this explosion comes right into the car door. They just got into the car. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, I already kind of forget how they, I mean, I know where these characters go. I know what Jackson do the rest of the season, Pierco, but like how uh, the immediate th- thing right after this, I wanted to turn on the next episode right away. I just didn't have time. It's You, you would expect a, a traditional ending would be the explosion would go off, shit would go on the car, you would kind of like see the rubble and you would have a Jack, Jack, can you hear us? Can yeah, you hear exactly. us? Yeah, exactly. And they look and you maybe cut to Audrey's face, which you get a couple of times and like, oh, is he dead? Did, did, did. Like it's effective. It works. It makes it yeah. seem better to me. Um, the fun fact here is that you actually, and I, I just rewatched the scene and you can, you can actually clearly see Curtis's stunt double um, rappelling down. They don't really cover his face. Now, fun fact, the, <laughs> the stunt double is called Charles Ingram, a stunt double. But if that name sounds familiar, if you, I don't know if you're ever familiar with that uh, big controversy about 20 years ago and who wants to be a millionaire when that British guy won a million dollars with somebody coughing oh, yeah. in the crowd. So the that cough? guy's name was Charles Ingram. Um, they did a mini- But it's not the same guy, right? No, 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 no. no. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think during COVID, they released a mini series on it. Like, uh, yeah. It's brilliant. Like if you've not watched it, it's really, really good. And you, they do it in a way where they never s- explicitly- say is he innocent or guilty like you kind of mm-hmm. you, you're still left open like because even to this day he defends it it was innocent which in all seriousness like come on um i've seen well, the actual episode it's so fake <laughs> yeah there's uh there's also a good one like this is off topic but the, the price is right there was one like during the drew carey era where there's a guy who literally just made spreadsheet after spreadsheet when he realized that a lot of these prizes come up over and over again and he just memorized the prices and then later on the show basically tried to you know, uh, ruin this guy's reputation and say, well, you're not entitled to these prizes. You cheated. And he's like, no, I just watched your show and memorized prices. Like that's all it is, but that's a good one too. But- I, I just go, going back for a second. Uh, I was just gonna say, I, I, I love the idea that now Roger Cross is watching the show with his family and friends around. It's like that cool looking man is not me. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> the only thing he can say now. <laughs> it's like you, I've mentioned a few times, Jerry and Marge go large. Was that, that more recent oh, yeah. movie with Brian Cranston in it? Sort of the uh, true story in that. Uh, not a whole lot of other great trivia. Uh, as I said, the, it's a mistake with the canisters um, that they mentioned. They're the only episode that Gregory Itzen and Gene Smart don't appear in this season. Uh, and also no Mike Novick. The first time uh, in a while that we haven't had Jude Chicka Chicka Cola in this mm-hmm. one as well. Um, the book, as I mentioned, it sort of really just talks about Kim Raver loving the scene. Jane Atkinson also loving the sequence. Uh, and it also said that uh, this was the point of the season where Marilyn Rajskub 
uh, wasn't available as much because she was filming her scenes for Little Miss Sunshine, which if you remember, she was like the pageant uh-huh. coordinator in that movie. Yeah. So um, there you go. That's a fun fact. Uh, buying it, Colin. I, I agree. It's the weakest we've had in a few weeks, but I'm still buying it. Interesting. I mean, it's like I we've had a very strong couple of weeks, but uh, as I said last week, uh, I'm actually ranking this higher than last week's episode. So uh, I'm ranking this at 23rd. Uh, so just below the seventh episode of season one and just above the pilot episode of season four. And this episode will end up as 32nd overall out of 216 episodes for me. So there you go. Uh, I've got this just below the finale of season four. So this is 38 for me overall, which still, when I was looking at this, I'm like, oh, maybe this will be a lower buy. And I'm going through all these buys. I'm like, I basically have over 60 buys at this point. This is probably right around the middle. Got a lot of money. 60 buys. Yeah. There you go. Buying it all. Uh, next week's a bit of a drop. I'm just looking at my overall rankings. Uh, so this, as I said, uh, will finish at 32nd. Next week's episode is in the 100s. So, um, uh, so it's a bit of a drop for me <laughs> next week. But it's, it's still a buy from memory. It is. It is. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, so I'll give you a bit of a synopsis according to 24Wiki. Jack Bauer teams up with Wayne Power. Wait, Wayne Power, Wayne Palmer, to help <laughs> David Palmer's source in the White House. Martha Logan's aide. Oh, I just spoiled that. Um, Hal Gardner has a run-in with Wayne. And Jack suspects the vice president might be behind the day's events. <gasps> and Audrey Reigns goes along with a plan to remove Bill Buchanan from power oh, in order yeah. to keep Chloe at CTI. I forgot about that. That's, um, yeah, it's, it's a fine episode. Have you watched it yet or any thoughts? Or- no. Um, I mean, it doesn't sound like the most groundbreaking episode. It sounds like we're stalling because we know that the one after that is going to be so, so big. Uh, but uh, Evelyn comes back. We kind of mentioned she has a, a big story arc at the end of the season. So this is, I guess, kind of the beginning of that. Yeah, it is. So we're getting getting to a point of the season where certain conspiracy might or not not be revealed very shortly. Uh, in the meantime, all our other great episodes. Last week we wrapped up anniversary month. You can listen to our last recap of Rush. This week we start bad movie month. Jack and Jill uh, went up a hill to become a Sandler sister. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, by the time you're listening to this, we would have done an Oppenheimer review and a Barbie one will be coming this week as well. You've seen them both. I've only seen Oppenheimer. Yeah. Well, not at the time of recording this, but at the time of this being released, I have. And uh, other great episodes are coming your way, so stay tuned for that too. My name is Ben, and I'm also going to repeat a line that I've said a lot in my life. She told you about my alleged sexual harassment. She's lying. Uh, and my name is Colin, and now I'm upset thanks for downloading this episode of the oz network make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google Podcasts, or by copying our rss feed into your preferred podcast provider and while you're there please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback you can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on facebook twitter and and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)